Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome. My name is Brad, and it's so good to be together. Um, you know, they, they talked about that Fall Fest thing. I'm excited about that. I don't I'm just, you know, anytime I can eat and touch trucks, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I really don't understand the point of touching trucks, but it sounds great. You know, kids love them. No, it's good. We're going to have a good time for that, so make sure you check that out. But anyway, so um, if I haven't met you before, my name is Brad, and I've been one of the pastors here for a long time, and um, I spent a lot of my time doing things that aren't on this platform, which is great, but we're in the middle of a series called Breaking the Cycle. In fact, we'll conclude it next week um, with Pastor Jeff, so make sure you come back for that next week. But he's been wa- walking us through just kind of looking at our, our past and how our past, you know, affects our present. You know, talking a lot about how emotional, our emotional health and spiritual health are connected. And those things are all important. And it's really things to work through. As we think about our past and we think about our lives, I know for some of us, God has really been you know, pulling at some things in our heart and in our lives. And I would encourage you, if you've been coming those weeks and God's been working on you to talk to somebody about something or give, trying, to, trying to muster up the courage to drag something out, to talk to somebody, drag it out into the light, let me tell you, there's freedom when you do that. And God really wants to work. I would encourage you, if you've been putting it off, reach out to somebody. We'd love to help you any way we can. If you don't know how to do it, you can just talk to somebody out there. We'd love to get you connected with someone who can really help you with those things. You know, and then there's... Um, you know, as we think ahead of where we're going now, and if, you know, if you haven't been here for any of them, I would encourage you to go back and listen through them all. It's really a powerful stuff. Uh, Pastor Jeff's so good at taking complex things and making them easy to understand, but really, um, God really uses them in big ways. So make sure you check those things, those things out. So, um, you know, you guys don't know me very well, so some of you know me real well, but um, I like to just tell some random things about myself. Um, here's one. I'm pretty talented. I give myself my own haircuts. It's great. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, I, I, how many of you? I, I, actually, I, probably a couple of us in here do as I look around the room. But, you know, some of us know. It's like I give my son, the reason why I brought that one up was so today, um, you know, I, because I don't have any hair, um, you know, I, um, I don't always look in the mirror, you know. So when I leave sometimes, like my wife would say, did you not look in the mirror before you left? You know, it's a big thing in your teeth, you know what I mean? Or something like that. And I'm like, no, I don't always do that. Well, today I get here and we're kind of walking around here, kind of warming up for tonight, talking. Let's get here nice and early in the afternoon. I just gave myself, I like to give myself a nice fresh cut before I come to church. It's just um, how I like to do it. Well, I look in the mirror in, in one of our beautiful restrooms that we have, which you can go to later. Um, but I was in there and I look in the mirror and I say, oh my goodness, I totally missed a spot. You know, imagine if you haven't cut your grass for like, you know, a month, and then you cut it real good, and your 11-year-old says, how did I do, Dad? And you look, and there's a whole spot missed. You know how blatantly obvious it is? I'm like, oh, my goodness. I can't go up there on the stage like that. My head's going to be really big. You know, I'm already, you know, into myself enough. So, unfortunately, I found a razor. I had an extra razor or something, and I took care of that. So, if I give you a hug later, and I smell like Barbasol, you know why. <laughs> right in the bathroom, I shaved my head again. So, um... And it was funny, the reason why I brought that up isn't just so you could get to know me, but it reminded me how, much, how many times things in our past pop up when we're not expecting them to. Maybe they're difficult moments. And maybe for you through this series, those things have happened for you. You just be going along and all of a sudden, boom, something will pop up. You might get a feeling of like guilt or shame and different things. So shaving brought, brought to me one time. So when I, I was first married, I was working in my home church. I was working as a youth pastor. And we didn't have a senior pastor yet, so I was doing all the preaching on the weekends, you know. So it's like church starts at like 9 o'clock. I was a 24-year-old, 24, 24 newlywed. So I wasn't exactly rushing to get to church hours early. In fact, I was, as long as I'm there minutes ahead of time, I'll be fine. 
And so um, as I go to get ready, I'm like, oh, I better shave because my mom and dad were always proud of me when I shaved and didn't have a dirty face. You know, um, anyway, so I, I thought I want to go up and shave. So I'm doing it real quick because I'm in a hurry. My wife, my wife is already getting ready. And when I actually did, I didn't have a beard at the time, I shaved off two of my moles. Like taken right off with a razor. Man, that really hurt. It really did. And I'm like, oh, I got to go preach the Bible pretty soon. And I was like gushing blood coming out of my face. And it was funny. I just remembered this today. And um, so what I did, and I'm like panicking. I can't get it to stop. So I just, I, I did, I wiped my face so many times. I scratched a big, like, look like a big cigar burn in the corner of my, <laughs> corner of my mouth. But anyway, so I'd be preaching. And I'd have a handkerchief with me and just have to blot my face once in a while. It's really embarrassing. You know, it's funny when you um, get up and do things like this, um, how the, the evil one brings up different things. Like, I'm really good at, a lot, at being average, you know, if you will. But there's always times where I mess things up just a little bit. And where you're like, oh, that's just Brad. I have a lot of those moments in my life. So if that happens, you know, just a little bit about who I am. But it's our past, though, is that look at our lives and how we live. isn't amazing on how it affects how we interact, um, interact with God. And so tonight what I want to talk about as we go through my part of this series, is looking at how God's grace has kind of been woven throughout our story all along. God's grace is unmerited favor, where he gave us something even though we didn't deserve it. He was there for us. You know, we think about that a lot with salvation, those things. But how God protected us and guided us and led us throughout our story to get us to the point um, of where we are. And so as you think about that, as we start diving into those things, what I want us to talk about today, and I really, if you could just lock in for the next few moments, I think if you can grab a hold of this one singular it seems like a very simple truth. I think it can really help a lot when it comes to orienting you to figure out how to handle your past, how to handle your pain, and really give you a perspective on life. So there's one thing that you are going to talk about tonight, and I really want us to be able to spend some time diving into it. And for some of us, it's going to be something that's going to be easy to say, easy to think and know, but it's really hard to believe. For some of us, it's going to be one of those things where, yeah, that sounds good, but... But for me, it's just different. For some of us, we might have shame and regret or guilt pop up. And uh, so here's the simple thing. So I know it. And if you know me, it's just, I go by the keep it simple, stupid method, okay? Keep it, or keep it simple, stallion. That's a better way. Okay. That was a joke. <laughs> One of you laughed. I love it. I love when I explain my jokes. Here's the thing about jokes. I just want to make myself laugh. Okay, God is for you is the one thing. That God, the creator of heaven and earth, the one we just sang about, the one that Pastor Rich read about in Psalm 139, that God is actually for you. He's fighting for you. He's working your life for you. He's actively involved in your life throughout your circumstances, ultimately for your, for your good according to his purposes we'll talk about. That's something, again, that's really easy to say. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus and you're not sure where you stand with this whole thing about God, what I want to let you know is... Um, that offer is open for you all, anytime. It doesn't matter where you've been. There's not like special things you have to do. You just have to turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to follow you and believe in him. But God is for you. Like I said, it's easy to say, but really, isn't it hard to believe sometimes? As I look back at my past, there's times where as I, fall, I, I got to know Jesus when I was very little. Um, but for a lot of my life, I just thought, well, you know, God, you know, uh, the only benefit of following you is I get to go to heaven one day. Because I have to say no to all the parties with my friends. Say no to all these things, but at least I get to go to heaven one day. But then when I sit in church think about heaven, I'm like, do I even want to go to heaven? Seems kind of boring. Over 
and over again, singing the same songs we repeat over and over again. That sounds boring. I didn't understand what heaven's like. You know, we'll, have, we'll talk about that here down in the future, what that's really like. But obviously, it's nothing like that. But that's what I used to think. I used to see, boy, um, you know, was God, when I think God being for me, I used to think, eh, I'm not really sure. The only thing I looked at, what can I get out of this? And as I faced different disappointments throughout my life, I started feeling like, you know what? I'm just not sure that I really believe that God really loves me and that he's for me. And so where so we are with our lives. And so these last few weeks we've been talking about our cycles. I really encourage you tonight, just kind of lock in and think, is God for me? So we're going to look in the Bible here. And I would encourage you, this is a great opportunity to download our app. And the reason I'm saying that is because it's not going to be up on the screen. We're going to go to 1 Timothy chapter 1. And um, I'd encourage you to read a, a copy of the Bible. If you have a regular copy of the Bible, that's great. If you don't, we have a free one for you. We'd love to give you on your way out. Because in the Bible, man, that's how God speaks through, through his Holy Spirit. And I think we should be reading the Bible all the time. And use it for more than just um, cool quotes, you know, or church. But anyway, so if you go on our app, you just click on the weekend notes. And it's right in there. The scripture's right in there. But if not, you can just listen to me. But there's a guy named Paul who we're going to read about today. And when he writes about these things, we're going to go to two passages of the Bible. This one, and we're going to go to one in Romans. We're only going to go to those two places. But in 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul was writing a letter to a young pastor who's pastoring a church. He's kind of giving the, the sage advice. Here's what you should do. And as he talks about these things, Paul talks a little bit about his past. Paul was someone who had a very colorful past. Paul would have spent a lot of his life at the beginning ages of his life, um, going out trying to end the message of Christianity. Not just going out and saying it's stupid, not just putting out social media blasts, but literally getting permission over and over to hunt Christ followers down and trying to persecute them, put them in jail, do whatever he could so that people would stop talking about the resurrected Jesus. That was his mission. He's very religious, but he wanted to end this one. And so He's writing this to Timothy, and he brings a little bit of that up. So I just want you to think about how he might have looked at his past. But listen to what he says in verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given, the, given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. In my insolence, I persecuted his people. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. It wasn't it was like he wasn't saying that he earned something like his salvation. What he's saying is he said, I didn't know the true understanding of who Jesus really was. So I was ignorant to that. But once Jesus met me on the road, I said yes. He says, oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that comes from Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience, even with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. Think about Paul. As he's writing these things, he's explaining to Timothy, here's who I once was, but here's how great God was. God is. I used to blaspheme. I used to tell people that Jesus wasn't real. I used to tell people he's not God. But now God is using me as a prime example of someone who was the worst of the worst to now someone who can tell others about Jesus. He's using me as an example that if, man, if God will even save Paul, 
if God would even love Paul, how much more could he even love me? He says when he talks about sinners, basically he's talking about people who fall short of, of, of God's standard he has for our lives. Jesus laid out what his standards for our life is this. He said, and for all of us, you know, so, so sin, sometimes we think about these horrible things and we think about, well, I'm not really that bad. I'm a good person and stuff. The way the Bible talks about sin is he lays out the standard that we should love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind and all of our strength. Jesus, God shouldn't just be a priority in our life. He's not just an ad in our life. He's saying your whole life should be built upon loving him above all else. Anytime we don't love him first, we sin. Anytime. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Anytime we love ourselves more than our neighbor, we're sinners. And that's just one part of what the Bible says. So Paul's like, so of sinners. He said, so don't get wrong. You're sinners too. But Paul's like, but I am the worst. So Paul could have looked at his life. He could have looked at his life. Imagine how you might feel if you're Paul, that you made it your mission to stop the spread of Jesus, that you violently opposed Jesus, that you saw people in your family trying to worship Jesus and you found a way to get them arrested. You're trying to hunt them down, trying to get more and more permission to have such, you were so hungry, so thirsty for blood that you were trying to get anything you could to get more people persecuted and more people arrested. And then you shift to following Jesus. Can you imagine the eye rolls he got when he started walking around town? Oh yeah, Paul, sure. Yeah, right? I mean, the shame he may have felt, he could have looked back at shame with his life. I was a blasphemer. Why would God ever use me? I mean, if people really knew who I was, and they do, there's no way. I mean, God says he's for me, but really, me? Or he could look back with a lot of guilt. Like, man, I feel so bad for what I did. I feel so bad for what I did. He could have walked around his whole life saying, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. He could have done that. He could have looked back with regret. Man, I wasted so many of my good years of my life when I could have been following Jesus. That's how I feel about studying biology in college. A lot of regret. Organic chemistry for a whole year. I mean, seriously, you talk about a waste of time. And some of you are scientists, I'm sure, but they're like, go find this unknown. It's like, well, if we already know what it is, why do we have to go find it? Anyway, it's like, I, don't, I hated it, but it was all because I wasn't following Jesus closely, right? And, but as I, um, anyway, um, we could look back with regrets. Isn't that funny how we often are tempted to do that with our lives? We might get sit in a, in, a, in a service like this. We might sing some songs, hear some things about God. And we'll hear the, how much God loves us no matter what. And we'll say that and we'll think that. But inside we're thinking, yeah, but if people really knew me. If they would see the used goods which I am. The broken pieces. If they would see in my life how I'm always walking with a limp because of the pain inflicted on me. If they would see the things that I've done or what I'm known for in other places, there's no way. But that's what Paul could have done. But instead, what Paul did, he said, God talked about God being rich in mercy, patient, talked about his love. And life, Paul's life didn't get easy. So there's a lot of things that go on in church world where people tell you, hey, if you follow Jesus, and if you have enough faith, man, he will bless you with material things. He'll make, your, make you so rich. He'll give you the perfect spouse. He'll give you the nicest car. If you just have enough faith to believe. But that's not found in the Bible. But instead what's found in the Bible is what happened to Paul. See, Jesus said in this world you have troubles, but take heart, I've overcome the world. When, when Paul lived his life after following Jesus, so he went through this 
awkwardness of how he used to live, but now God changed his life. He had great mercy. Now he's preaching the word around, taking it to all the people who are the non-Jewish people in the world. That was his mission. And so instead, what happens? Hey, he's doing what God called him to do. He turned his back on everything. He's running after Jesus. Well, now he gets arrested. He gets whipped. He gets beaten. Gets thrown in jail again. He's shipwrecked. He gets bit by a snake. All kinds of things happen to Paul. He wrote some of his letters from prison. Yeah, he talked about the joy of being content. What happened? Paul's life never got easy. But his hope never changed. And he always believed that God was for him. So some of us in here, we're like, we're just checking God out. We're not really sure how we feel, you know, about God. We maybe never exposed to him or whatever. And I would encourage you, if that's you, as I read some things, just listen to what the Bible says about who God is. But the perspectives and things that we have in our lives helps us start thinking about who we are. If you're a follower of, if you're a follower of Christ, I want you to think about some perspectives here. But listen what this, like, so think about this perspective I want us to question. Is my life, the life I live on this earth, is it for me or is it about something bigger? Is it just about me seeing how great I can make myself and me getting the best I can and trying to dodge as many potholes as I can to try to achieve life and live it to the fullest so that I can get the best I can out of it because I only live once? That's the motto, right? If, that, if that's what I'm going to do, is that really what I'm living for? And most of us are saying, no, I know I'm supposed to be living for other people. Or no, I know God's out there. I should be doing good things for him. I mean, after all, we're at church together, right? So we're sitting here for one reason or another. But do you really believe that God is something worth living for? Or do you still think, hold on to your life is for you? Well, are some ways that may, might think about this. Looking at our um, expectations we have of God. So us as even followers of God. What kind of expectations do I have of God? Do I expect that God is going to bless me? And if he's going to bless me, that means that my life will be easy. Well, I'm supposed to say, well, no, I don't expect my life to be easy, but I expect God's going to bless me. If I follow him, if I have enough faith, he's going to come through for me, and my life's going to be nice, smooth sailing. And the reason why how you know if you expect this or not is how do you feel when things go wrong? Oh, God, I thought you loved me. Why me, God? Why, God? I mean, I thought, aren't I one of the good guys? There's nothing wrong with having some of those questions. Pastor Jeff talked a lot about the why questions instead of not leaning into living in those questions. I mean, you read through the Psalms, you see David at times or other psalmists talk about, you know, why are the wicked prospering? I'm not. But I'm talking about in your life. You just think like, oh, I'm not sure God's even real because of what happened to me, because of what someone else did to me. Do I expect that God owes me something? I mean, I go to church every weekend, God. I faithfully gave money to you, God. I told other people about you. I sang the song and memorized the verses, God. Why would you let this happen to me? Do I expect that God owes me something? Do I expect that God won't let bad things happen? Or do I expect that God um, doesn't owe me anything, but he's working for me instead? So I'm going to tell a story a little bit, and it involves this next verse. So maybe you've heard this verse before. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That's Paul wrote that, the same guy. He's like, all things work together for good for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. I always have to say it different because I look at different versions. But I, I, that verse is not something I ever have to look up to know what it says. That verse has been imprinted upon me my whole life. And so I'm going to tell you a story about a moment I wasn't very proud of. I'm not very proud of. But it's something I learned really good about my dad later. But anyway, so about um, 10 years ago, actually it was 10 years ago on the 10th that my mom passed away. 
You know, so my mom, my mom died of cancer. Cancer is a horrible thing. It is, does not, you know, whatever. It's terrible. So my, my mom got cancer. She was sick with it for a few years, a couple years. And anyway, so um, I remember I was so sad the one day. I, I went home to my boyhood home, and my room is still there and all that stuff. And, um, you know, it's not decorated like I used to decorate it. You know, my dad took down all the animals and stuff I had on the walls and all the basketball stuff. But I still have my bedroom back there and everything. So I went back there. I spent a good time with my dad, who was my sister. We were grieving together and everything. But then my dad looked at me, and I was really sad one day, and I, and I kind of snapped at him because he tried to feed me this Bible verse when I was in pain, okay? And that's what he did. He goes, well, Brad, you know that in God all things work together for good for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. You know what? I know that's true. I've heard that it's true, but I didn't want to hear it at that moment. And what I did was I wrongly thought my dad would just feed me a line or tell me this kind of positive thinking or trying to, you know, it's okay, stop, stop, stop being sad, let's go, let's keep moving. But instead, I realized that my dad was reminding me of something he told me my whole life. See, my dad didn't have it easy. You know, a lot of us had situations where our parents, they've worked a lot harder or had life a lot harder than we do. You know, my, um, you know I think about my grandfather. I mean, my, my, my dad was a boy. My dad was, um, you know, growing up, his, his dad was sick because of his, you know, different things. But working in the coal mines from age 12 kind of does that to you. And so he had, he had a hard life. And then my dad went off to college. And he was going to play baseball in college, which is really amazing because I can't hit a baseball to save my life. My baseball hitting is so bad, my dad got me glasses when I didn't even need them. And it was really bad. He taught me how to bunt so I could get on base in Little League. That's how bad my baseball ability is. In the two innings, I got to play every game. Um, but um, but I, my, my dad, would, um, my dad when he, he, had, he wanted to play college baseball, and so he was in college playing baseball, and then his dad died. And, and then um, back in those times, it was, they didn't have much money, so his mom was trying to make things work. And so my, the solution was my dad had to stop living at school, stop playing college baseball, and stay at home and take care of his mom. And so that's what he did. So he sacrificed, and then he would eventually put his way through college and all those things and take care of his mom. Who, you know, my grandma was a widow for 30-some years before she passed away. But he went through tough, thing, tough times. And then as we kind of grew up, then he got married. He married my mom and my mom. They were wonderful people. But throughout our lives, we'd ha- they would face different disappointments. And life wasn't always easy. But they always reminded me over and over again. My dad would always quote me this verse. And it wasn't just during the good times. It was even during the hard times. He'd say, you know, Brad, basically saying God is for us. We know that all things work together for good. For those who love God or according to his purpose. You know, when I was facing disappointments of not being able to do what I wanted to do in school, you know, Brad, God is always at work for you. All things work together for good. God is working something. After I got married, my wife and I, you know, we, had great, we have a great marriage and all those things, but life's not always easy. You face your own difficulties, moving, things like that. You know, Brad, and my dad wouldn't always just tell me that in the good times, but he'd tell me that in the bad times too because he wanted to remind me that there is a God out there who loves me deeply and that my life is not about me making my name great. You know, I remember wrecking a car. Brad, that's just a material thing. You know, I'm just glad you're safe. He said, material things come and go. But remember, God works everything for good. Maybe you'll learn from this mistake. Different things like that. He's, he's still my hero, and I still spend a lot of time talking to my dad. But he reminded me of those things. And the reason why I say that isn't just to tell you a nice heartwarming story to fill some moments. But because what my dad did for me was he reminded me throughout my life that God's grace has always been there. Even when things weren't easy for him, he learned and deepened his faith in the Lord because of what God was and what God says is true. And so for some of us in our lives, 
we're getting caught up on the things we don't have or the things that aren't working out the way we are. But what if God is working on something bigger? What comes down to what kind of expectations do you have on God? Do you think God owes you something? If you, hey, if you're really better, if you, if you start acting better, maybe God will bless you even more. If you start coming to church, maybe things are really going to work out. You're going to find that perfect spouse and then watch out. If you go to the right kind of youth group, things will be great for you. If I just get my kids in the right places, then everything's going to be great for me. It's not how it works. The question is, do I really believe that God is for me? Well, Paul talks a lot about this because Paul battled his life and then he had those things. And, but then in the end of Romans there, he kind of talks about these things, about what it looks like to have God for you. So I'm going to read this for you. You can flip over in your Bible, if you will, right on your app. Just go right down the app page right there. But Romans 8. And what, Romans 8. In this offer, what he's talking about here is available to every person in this room. If you're not yet a Christ follower, he says, come on, there's room for you. But Brad, you don't understand. It doesn't matter. But my family, doesn't matter. But I did, doesn't matter. But I've been, these places, the Bible's full of people that have been in very, very dark places. Doesn't matter. Listen to what he says. But if you're a Christ follower today, pretend like he's saying this to you. Because he's including you in this. What does it look like for God to be for us? Verse 31 of it, chapter 8. These words are moving. And if they move you, just, it's okay. Just relax. It's okay. It's God working. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? And you can read back through Romans 8. It's incredible. If you have nothing else to do all week, I would just encourage you to read Romans 8 all week. It's amazing. Here's what he says. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? But you don't understand who they are, Brad. No, right. This is what the Bible says. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? And here's how he shows us. And here's how we know that God is for us. If you're feeling with a lot of guilt and shame about your past right now, or if you're feeling a lot of disappointment, a lot of frustration, listen to what he says. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. We're all sinners. Some people describe this as wretches, right? Amazing grace. It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. You know, all those things. We all are people like sheep who have gone astray. Every single one of us has fallen short. There's none of us in here good by, on our own, our own matter. So if there's ever a time that you're feeling like you are less than other people, that's not the God of the Bible telling you that. But he says, the God who wouldn't even spare his own son, Knowing us completely who we are, he said, put us in right standing with him. He took us from the dark and put us into light. Who will condemn us? No one. Sorry, it feels like the mothership's landing. Do you guys hear that? We're, we're here. Okay. No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor, uh, place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us, Jesus Christ, the most amazing being to ever walk on this planet, who for nothing to gain of his own other than worship, he laid down his life on a cross to carry our sins and bear our shame. 
and then by his own power conquered death and rose from the from dead three days later. That Jesus Christ who ascended and is sitting at the right hand of God, the Bible says that that Jesus is pleading for us. He's fighting for you right now. They're mine. Pleading and pleading and advocating for us over and over again. Again, if someone's telling you what you're not, you're listening to the wrong people. Listen to God who, tell, who knows you and made you and he put, knows who you are. Listen to this, verse 35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Is there, is there too far? Is just too far? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? Or if we're persecuted? If people are persecuting me, does that mean God doesn't love me anymore? Does he not hear me? How could God let those things happen? To, or if we're hungry? God, didn't you promise you'd feed the sparrows and now you're hungry? Or destitute? Man, I don't have anything, any, even two nickels to rub together. Or in danger? Or threatened with death? As scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that neither that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. How much of our lives do we spend captured by fear and worry? We're afraid of what people think about us. We spend our lives comparing our lives to other people's on social media. Think about what we're not when we look at what everybody else is putting out as their best. There's a couple things I really don't think are any good. Skydiving. I don't know why anybody would ever skydive. I'm not even sure we're meant to fly in an airplane. Why would you skydive? And the second thing is watching the news all the time. Now that might hit a little different. But I don't know why we watch the news. I don't think God intended for us to know all the time what's happening around the world. There's just too much. Our world's too big and there's just too much pain. I think we need to be fight for people and all those things. I agree with that. But man, if you're just consumed. Because when I watch the news too much, guess what I get? I don't walk out of there saying, man, Lord help these people. I walk out of stressed. Because I think, man, is God losing? That's what he says. He says, um, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's Romans 8, 31 to 39. My question is, do I really believe that that God is for me? Or do I think I'm the one exception clause? Am I in there looking for the fine print? But when, you, when Jesus died and you chose to follow after him, accept his blood, his sacrifice for your sins, the Bible says that God is for you. So as you trace back through the pain in your life, and listen, pain is real. When my, I remember when my mom died, I went to a grief class here at the church. It so helped me. Because I didn't know what it felt like to grieve like that. And my mom was awesome. My mom taught me the Bible all the time. My mom taught me to love people no matter where they came from or whatever. My mom taught me you never give up on people. My mom taught me you never look down on somebody else. My mom told me that there's no one who's too far gone. Keep reaching after them. Keep praying. Keep loving. If they don't love you back, you keep loving them anyway. My mom taught me that's what Jesus looked like. My mom modeled it in her life. She wasn't perfect. My goodness. I've seen her at her worst too. But, but she was wonderful. And then she died. 
And I thought, well, if I only have 22 years left on this earth, because that was 10 years ago, so I was 40. If I only have 22 years left on this earth, who am I going to live my life for? And from that point on, it impacted how I lived. Started taking things more seriously. It showed me what compassion meant. For the first time in my life, I started understanding I needed to have empathy for people. So I, I say I've really grown. I used to, when I hug people, I used to only pat their back twice. They're there. And then I was done. I'm up to three pats now. That's all because my mom died. Isn't that great? I'm like, there, there, there. And I even linger for a minute. I went from someone's like, hey, fist bump. I'm a hugger. I'll hug everybody. I mean, whatever. I'm a hugger. But that's, but you learn. So there's, you're going through real pain. Like I said, I pray that if God has brought something up for you over these last few weeks, if you're struggling, that you'll have the courage to drag that out into the light. There are people who would love to help point you to who Jesus is. And it's time to stop carrying that stuff. It doesn't mean it's not real, the trauma you went through. Counseling is very important. Your emotional health and spiritual health are very connected. But God can even work through our pain to bring us here. Because what if God walked through all of those circumstances to bring you here at this moment right now? So that you can hear about his love in a world that his love is so conditional. We don't know why the things happen. But we do know that God uses the things in our lives to draw us close to him. So um, I, I like to run because I like to be outside. Um, I'm a very, and when I say run, it's lowercase. You know, I take a lot of L's, not a lot of W's, okay? I'm not a very good runner, but I like to run because it gets me outside, keeps me moving. So I ran a marathon one time. Well, twice actually, but oh, look at me flexing like I am somebody. But if you'd see me run, you'd think, no, he's still losing. Okay, but anyway, I'm a kind of a Clydesdale, nothing glamorous about me, huffing and puffing all the time. But a, a marathon is 26 miles. Well, if I were to say tomorrow I'm going to run 26 miles, I'm not ready for that. Tomorrow's race day, you pay $100, wherever you go race, and I show up tomorrow, I'd be dead. My legs would probably, I'd probably injure myself or something, I wouldn't complete it. So what do you do to get ready for a marathon? Some of you guys are great runners, you know what I'm talking about. You men and women out here are doing great things like that. You're like, what you do is you back schedule it out, you come up with a training plan. You start off small. A mile here, two miles there. You start doing a couple of little runs, a couple of little tempo runs, start running a little faster. Start running some distance runs to get your legs strong so they can handle it. And slowly, about 10% each week, you increase your mileage, your longest ones. You go from running six miles to like, wow, I never ran six miles before. And then you're up to 10. Well, I've never done 10 miles before. That's awesome. You know, and then you're up to like 16. It's like, whoa, man, I think I could almost run to Independence. Isn't that amazing? Wow, I'm feeling really good. And your long runs get up to 20. And before you know it, so then when race day comes, you stuck to your plan all those little things that were so hard. Because let me tell you, the hills aren't easy when you're training. The miles aren't easy. But you keep doing it, and you keep doing it. So you can win a cheap prize that no one cares about. Even though you feel like you have to post about it, nobody cares. And you, and you walk across that finish line, you're waiting for the, the, the pomp and circumstances. You're waiting for everybody to be running. I'm a picture of my wife running to me. It's like, hey, are you going to be home for lunch? You know what I mean? That's where we're at. It's like, there's no big deal about it, right? It's like, you think it's going to be great, but you do all those things, and you train, and you go through the little hard times, the little hard times there. You persevere, persevere, so when the test comes, you're prepared. What happened was, as I look back at my dad, what my dad had been doing, it wasn't just giving me cliches. What my dad was trying to do was prepare me, because he knew life's not always easy, and trials will come. So it's important to know that God is for you now. Because maybe life's going smooth right now and you're trying to think, do I even need this in my life? I'm telling you, a test is coming. 
Hard times will come. And guys, God used the trials in your life to get you ready for them. But do you believe God is for you? Well, when we change our perspective from expecting to God to do things my way, hey, I want it to work out like this, you know, to seeing him work in all of the things, it drastically changes how we see our pain and our struggles. Listen, God is for you. Here's a couple things I like to do to remind me, um, to just be reminded that God is for me. First of all, like I said, if you're not yet a Christ follower, Jesus says just say yes to him. And if you'd like to talk to somebody about that, we'd love to connect with you about that because it's the greatest thing ever. But what I like to do is I like to remind myself all the time that God is for me. So the way that I do that is by reading his word, by spending, spending time looking up, if you will. So I want to look up. What are the things that tell me about God? Like when I read through that passage in Romans 8, just reading through there over and over again, I like to hear God's voice remind me time and time again that he loves me. The sacrifice Jesus did, and that while I was still my worst, Jesus died for me. I need that in my life. So I remind myself of that. I use music. I read the Bible, of course. I love to surround myself with people. People that are wrestling through it too. Because they remind me that God is for me. That God is with me. You know, and I like to go out and do those things. And I think, um, and so and for me, like my dad would always quote Romans 8, 28. I, try, I use different phrases in my house all the time. You know, God, you're good. Even if that wouldn't have worked out, you're still good. Whatever it is, there's things to remind where God is always on the forefront of our minds. And then the last thing, one thing that's, that's important to do, I think one of the reasons why a lot of us struggle to believe this. I think we need to go tell as many people as we can about him. Because, man, if I believe that God is as great as he says he is, and if I believe there's a God who loves me even though he knows me better and he still loves me, don't I want to give that to my friends? Don't I want my neighbors to know that? I mean, I have that hope. And so what I try to do is I try to be a hope dealer, you know, <laughs> and I hope anywhere I can. You know, um, it's more than just smiling, but it starts with some of that stuff. So whatever it is, I would just encourage you. God is for you. If there's any way we can help you with those things, I would encourage you. If God's been working your heart through these last weeks, man, I really would encourage you to reach out and ask someone for help. Maybe a friend who brought you or maybe someone here. We'd love to connect with you. We love you and we're glad that you're here. But Jesus is the one who can save you. I'm going to pray. The band's going to come out. Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for the time where we could be together. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, even though you know me better than anyone, you still love me. Even though you know where I've been, you still show grace and mercy. Even though you know my weaknesses, you still want me to lean into you for strength. Lord, you're a great king. So Lord, I pray for everyone here today. We all have our different stories. We all come from different places. Wherever we are, Lord, I pray that your spirit will speak to their hearts. Lord, if they don't yet know you, Lord, I pray that they won't find judgment or condemnation. Lord, instead, your Holy Spirit will speak to their hearts, Lord, and tell them that you love them. And that going their own way only leads to pain. And ultimately to destruction, Lord. But when we go your way, sure, we'll face pain and difficulties. But Lord, we have life. Lord, I pray for those of us who are your followers. But Lord, we can't get past where we used to be. We still see ourselves as walking with a limp or as used or damaged goods. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts and show us, Lord, 
that your son Jesus is fighting for us every day. Lord, you're a great God. Pray, Lord, as we sing these songs, that we'll sing to you and you'll speak to our hearts. In your name we pray, amen.